Hello and welcome to World Shop, the podcast where we build worlds based off the role of a 20-sided die. I'm Jordan. And I'm Cody. How's it going, Cody? It is going well. It is going very well. Oh, really? That's great. <laughs> what have you been enjoying recently? Okay, so there's one very See, important thing. See, I found thing. a good way to say that question now, so boom. Okay, so there's one. It's not a good way to do, ask the question if you interrupt me when I'm responding. But anyways, there is one very important thing I need to talk to you about. And it, it is another podcast um, called Wolf359. Okay. So check it out. Wolf359 is a podcast that was very much like Welcome to Night Vale. You know what I mean? It's like there's a radio announcery kind of guy that's talking about weird stuff happening. Um, so, oh yeah, um, Christina told me about this. Uh, what about Wolf Three Five Nine or about Hello from or uh, Hello from Night Vale or Welcome to Night Vale? The, the Night Vale one. Okay, yeah. So Night Vale, it, it's kind of like there's not really a strong plot to that podcast. Um, like kind of just stuff happens and it's funny. Wolf Three Five Nine started out very much that it was like it's. A, a like communications log from the like communications officer on board this space station where there's all these zany characters around him, so it's funny. Um, okay. And then, like ten episodes in, I think they suddenly got a budget and then decided to take themselves seriously. And production value me... through the roof. No, it wasn't just the jump in production value. That was part of it. They started having more voice actors because at first it was voice acted by two people and then that started to grow really fast. Um, it was that I suddenly realized that I cared a lot about all of the characters and it kind of took me by surprise. Like I was listening to the podcast and one of them was kind of vaguely in danger and I was like on the edge of my seat. Like I don't want this person to get hurt, you know? When you start getting invested in a story. And then out of nowhere, there just was a really good story developing. And I got very obsessed with the podcast. And just kind of burnt through it really fast. Because there's only like 61 episodes. Um, Jeez. But it is probably... I think it's the best radio drama I've heard. As far as podcasts are concerned. I'm like kind of trying to think of one that's better and I can't, especially at the end, they do some really great subtle setup to what's going to happen to certain characters and how they're going to develop. And the message of the podcast and the story ends up being a very human one about like finding common ground with people that are all like disparate and broken. It, It was about like, finding out that you care about people around you and acknowledging that and the responsibility that comes with kind of like this group of weird characters finding out that they're friends and that they all care about each other. And it was just like, from where it started, how it ended is like so shocking because it starts so clown shoes. And then at the end, it's like one of the most like human stories I've ever listened to. About, like, trying to be decent to people. So I was just like, well, wow, this was excellent. And now I'm kind of, like, let down because I'm done with it. Yeah, like, (laughs) you get find something that you really like and you listen to it flat out and then suddenly it's over. And that's pretty much what happened to me with Harry Potter. But yeah, yeah, you you get burnt out. It's just like, well, now there's nothing else I want to listen to for a while because that was so good. And there's no more of that. Yeah, I had to start listening to music, which not that that's a bad oh, thing. I like geez. music, but I just like, I was like, okay, I need to like not hear story for a little bit because this was like kind of weighty and required some <laughs> thought. Like the end actually asks some interesting questions about like what it means to be human and stuff. So I, yeah, I, I'm just all around How long impressed. are the episodes? Uh, they're actually pretty short. They're only like 20 minutes. Oh, and they did that much in 60 episodes? Yeah. So, Cody, is that all you've been listening to and enjoying recently? Um, I mean, I feel like that's all that I really have a lot to talk about. Oh, wait, no, real quick. I want to touch on this. <laughs> this is a more... This of course. Is, this is a story with a moral. Okay, so check it out. Oh, no. I started playing oh, this no. game called Supreme Commander. 
Um, it's yeah, an you've been playing that for a while. You didn't start playing that. Yeah, I haven't talked about it on like the podcast yet. Okay, here's my point. I've been playing it with uh, one of my friends from college and my brother, right? And I'm not like usually good at RTSs, and especially when I was like 13 and my brother was 16, I was much worse than him at RTSs, right? Which is when we were both playing that yeah. game. Uh, maybe a little bit older. It doesn't matter. Anyways, my point is, somehow I'm like really good at Supreme Commander. I mean, I am very, very, very good at Supreme Commander. And it's gotten to the point now that I've ruined the game for myself <laughs> because oh, no. no one will play it with me anymore. <laughs> because like, you're that guy? I made my brother rage quit two nights ago. And like whenever I try to Cody. talk to my friend from college, he's just like, I haven't really practiced yet. Maybe later. Which like, friend is this? It's Eric. Oh, poor. Poor Eric, dude. I mean, I curb stomped them both. It's bad. It's like they don't Holy. even stand a chance. There was one time I was playing against Eric, and it was like he. There's like tech trees in the game, right? And yeah, I'm good at yeah, winning yeah. early in the game. And I just oh, had like please. a massively larger economy than he did. You know, it's an economy management game, so you have to manage like having resources. And. I yeah. couldn't, like, win. I couldn't actually beat him. We stalemated. And I just retreated and then just threw all... I just shut off all of my factories and all I did was build nuclear bombs. And my economy was so massive and sprawling that I could launch a nuke, like, once every 10 seconds. Which is ridiculous. Cody. Like, I could launch Cody. them faster than they would explode. You know what I mean? Cody! <laughs> like... Oh my god, man! It was yes, that is not necessary. That is not necessary. In the it least was bit. so like nukes are something that usually take forever to build. They're like a game-ending thing. They'll like destroy an entire base, and it was just like a steady stream of them. <laughs> it was like, uh, dude, I mean, we played for I, like we played for hours, and he was like starting to gain ground. He was like, "I'm gonna do it this time. I'm gonna win." And it was just like. Nuclear launch detected. Nuclear launch detected. Nuclear launch detected. And he's like, Cody, what is happening? <laughs> I am on their side on this one. That was completely unnecessary way to just crush a friend. Basically, what I do is Zerg rush <laughs> right away. And so yeah, that's okay. That's the kind of crap my brother would do to be in other games where like he yeah. had time to play. I would come back and just get completely slaughtered. It is just like. Was that necessary? Do do you feel good about yourself after I doing do, that to me? I do. The problem is it feels so good when I nail it. Like, I was playing against my uh, brother, I think, two nights ago, right? And this is when he rage quit. And so the way the game works, controlling the map is partially how much resources you have. So the more the map you yeah. control, the more... Yeah, whatever. So I just, like, Zurich rush the whole map and take three quarters of it myself. And so then yep. my brother's, like, able to pump out one unit for every four of mine. And then at the same time, I also just ran across the map and there's like a little closed in area that's supposed to be like your easy to defend base area. You know what I mean? It's like oh, there's a choke that. point. And I just strung a bunch of turrets right across that. So like if he tried Dude. to leave his base, he would be driving through turrets. Cody, <laughs> what, what is your problem? Like seriously, that was a completely unnecessary maneuver that you've it done. Was so like there's a difference between winning and destroying. What you did was destroy. You didn't win. You just completely annihilated everything on the map. It and also, brutal. I realized from this, you're a huge nerd, man. Oh uh, yeah, man. I know. And it's I would it's never like I don't play game. games like that with people. I also don't play board games with people often because of things like that. Getting crushed now, by my brother in Monopoly. I don't do that, man. I don't. Let do me that. tell you something about my brother. He uh, is extremely what, competitive. Like, I am not a very competitive person, and I know what I just said would seem to imply otherwise. But generally, yeah, I'm not a person that gets upset by losing games. Um, yeah, and yeah. he is, and he also gets upset when he wins games. He just gets what? upset when he plays games because he wants to crush everyone, and then he wants to mock them for it, right? So oh my, gosh, my brother... What? I feel okay about making him rage quit because of, like, the Eric, Monopoly dude. thing. Now, with Eric, it's like he wants so badly to get better, and he's like, I just need to learn more. And then he loses, and he's like, oh, I must have just not judged this correctly. And I'm like, you're being so nice. 
I always remember Eric as being like one of the most chill people ever, and he's, he's just so what you nice. did to that poor man. Like, like I, I always remember him just being really kind, being really nice, always being like a super helpful guy. And what you did to him is not fair. It's like he's sitting that over there just fair. like, I'm going to build my little base. And all of a sudden there's just like 30 spam bots crawling all over it. And he's like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, dude, oh, what is your problem? What it's just like, you know, if you, you got to get good or you got to not play with me. You know what I'm saying? Okay, it's yeah, like, get good, scrub. What is this, Dark Souls? You are yeah, the Dark Souls of video game players. I am. I make it Dark Souls for them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, yeah, you thought you were playing this on a normal difficulty? No, we're playing super hard today. I'm going to Like, prepare for Dark Souls, sucker. I'm going to take you apart. Limb by limb. And I'm not going to leave anything left. There's nothing left. Um, you want to roll for initiative, my friend? Yeah, I'll roll for initiative. Hang on a second. I just got to dig out a dice. Ew. That just, the way you said that just sounded gross, man. I gotta just dig out a dice. Like, what is it? Say? I don't think that's like a, a hemorrhoid. Like a, like, oh, I got an eighteen. I think I'm going. Yeah, first. I got a one. <laughs> wow, you you crit fail. That means you have to do two worlds. <laughs> I mean, technically, they are two worlds. Technically, I did it like that. All right, you ready yeah, for this? Do, you ready for this? We're doing the same style as usual, where we break it in to part by part, and flora and fauna are one thing. Yes, I know. I did it right this Ooh, time, I was right? Worried. You gave me a face and I thought you were going to say you did it wrong again. All right, you ready for this? Yep, yep. Beep, beep. Come All right, up. my world's called Mancer's Revenge. Mancer's Revenge. Oh, my okay, God. Okay, real quick. I just want to point out, I-, I looked up the word Mancer to see if it is what I think it is, like Pyromancer or like Mechmancer, you know, and it does generally yeah. mean like a magical person, right? So th- that's what I wanted yeah, like to use. But did you know that Mancer, if you look it up on Urban Dictionary, is also just male dancers, <laughs> like strippers? <laughs> oh my gosh, that is awesome! <laughs> I'm, I'm a yeah. I'm a so just to imagine it. my world. Yeah, is just like a whole bunch of hot stripper guys. Yep, that's that's what this we're, is. We're All right, so you ready for this? We're you know, I'm just gonna say that that does not fit the tone of my world. <laughs> that is very possibly. Um, go ahead. I'm laughing too hard. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Mancers, by Grimm's gonads, those beasts destroyed us. They twisted the world and ripped it apart. And now the world is a hard place. The brutal land has birthed a new breed, the barbarian. With mighty strength of will, we face down the Mancer's tempest and bring the world closer to order. That's an account from Norgoth, the king of the barbarians. So, my world is cursed. It sucks. The sun never rises or falls and gloom rules all. Um... The land is uh, hard to traverse. It's um, scattered with like shattered mountains and storms. Um, it's generally just kind of difficult to get around. Um, the forests are thick with bogs and undergrowth, and everything kind of now has a blood red cast to it. Um, and it's important to note that this is the world as it stands hey, now. Um, really um, quick, I want to call a yellow card because you just stole Glapsorp from last week. No, no, I did not. It's not lava e. You just, all right? you just now, made like a dying, a cursed dying world. You stole Galaxorp. <sighs> it's not Galaxorp. <gasps> you okay? said it right. It's not. <gasps> oh my god. It's not Galaxorp. Oh, shut up. Beep, right? beep, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Mancers, um, their magic and machines have slowly corrupted and eaten the world. So. Scattered throughout the once like thriving and prosperous normalish world, um, the magic of the mancers and the machines of the mancers have slowly started to like twist and pollute everything, yeah. which is why mountains are now like broken and shattered. It's why it's always gloomy and why there's always clouds and lightning because it's basically the environment that the mancers like and the result of their magics and their technology. Um, However, there are focal points to this corruption, which are Mancer Towers. So Mancers um, being like generally mad scientist-y kind of crazy lone wizards um, live in these giant towers. 
And everywhere that those towers spring up and Mansers live, they spread their corruption. So, so um, really quick. And this is kind of... Mansers are the magic yeah. and the science of this world? Yes. Okay, keep going. Slight yellow card. We'll get uh, to it. Keep going. So, speaking generically... Um, Mansers can use either science or technology. What makes them a Manser is like large amounts of knowledge, being insane, living alone in a tower, and corrupting the land around them. So, Draken um, from Kim Possible. You know, Jordan, I'm going to level with you. I've never seen Kim Possible. Okay, it's Draken. Continue. <laughs> I don't know what a Draken is. All oh, right? no, it's the They're crazy wizards that live in towers. So sometimes the world has been destroyed by, like, giant um, machines of industry that are used to, like, suck minerals out of the planet that the Earth, that the Mansers want to use. But also sometimes it's just, like, the land gets corrupted by a vile Manser that's there to, like, spread pestilence. These are generally, like, evil people that um, have, yeah, tainted the world. So... Right now, as it stands, the world used to be a fairly nice place to live until people started dabbling in magic and technology, in which case now the world has been slowly corrupted by that. So, anyways, that is my uh, my setting, or my world. Okay, that's, no, that's cool. It reminds me of very evil scientists from like a comic book type thing. Where it's like, I live that, in this kind of the cursed idea. mountain. <laughs> Here, look at this machine. I'm going to launch a laser at the city. It's it's very yeah. that. It, it's it's that. It's that. Okay. So let's go into it. We're trying voices one last time. Okay. so Jordan, your voices are so good. They this, make my day happier. This is the land of Otrell. From the start of recorded history, <laughs> this question has always existed. What is the shape of our world? The simple question about the age of discovery and learning. What? Hang on. Why is it that all of your voices sound like horrible businessmen? I feel like you're selling me insurance <laughs> I was going for every a more time Neil we do a podcast. Tyson, but sure, horrible businessman. <laughs> you just sound like you're selling used cars. I'm yeah, sorry. whatever. Okay, so this simple question sparked the age of discovery and learning. We found quickly that our surround uh, that surrounding our great landmass was an even greater ocean. So the brilliant minds went to work to discover what the true shape of our world was. Calculations were made, devices created, and our civilization advanced. All to figure out this simple question. Finally, our people created great vessels that could travel to the ends of the earth. The metal vessels did indeed find the edge of the planet. There, there the great ocean dropped off into nothingness. They traveled along the edge to find any sign that our planet was round, but that sign never came. The question was finally answered. Our planet is not round, but rather it is flat. Though with our data and calculations, we found that at least on our side, our world is curved. The hypothesis, hyp hypothesis arose that this world must be an elongated ellipse. It is curved, but it does lie nearly flat. As always, with answers come many more questions. If our world is flat, what lies on the other side? Is there nothingness, or is there some sort of civil life or civilization similar to ours? Are they there on the other side of the planet, trying to figure out what is up here? This created the age of exploration. The brilliant minds of this world were focused now, trying to com come up with ways to reach the other side. We started out by making vessels that could break the atmosphere and survey, but as they traveled around the planet, we lost communications with them as they were destroyed by some unseen force. We tried sending probes and drones off the edge of the world to the other side, but those two were destroyed. We lost hope trying again and again to find out what else was out there until finally I came up with something new. Why try going around the planet when we could simply go through? That is when plans for the Great Elevator were created. We would create a device that would drill us through the ground and take us to the other side. When we finally reached the other side, we would use the same device to travel back and forth through the land. I may never see the end of this project, but I am glad to be part of something great. That is from Dr. Isaiah Grundin, 150 years before the breach. So, by the way, this is a very long world again. There's another part to my geography. Yellow card, your world's better than mine. Okay, cool. So, quick recap. For this side of our world, it is a very elongated ellipse. It is seemingly flat, but there is some curvature. In the direct center of this world, 
is a landmass that makes Jordan, I love flat Earth. Absolutely all of the land on this world. I know you do. I've been planning this flat Earth world from the very beginning of our show. Mind you, this is, uh, Jordan, this is my idea Earth from so the much. very first episode. During the day, they see a sun <laughs> that orbits their planet. It rises in the east and sets in the west. In the night, because of light pollution, they do not see much, but they have observed the stars and planets beyond this world. From context clues, the humans are obviously technologically advanced, and because of their curiosity, they become more advanced day by day. They used materials from their landmass in the oceans to create their technology, but of course we'll get to that later. Back to the story. This is the land of Arakana. We were gifted this land by higher power, but that doesn't mean life would ever truly be easy for us. We have been held back many times by the meteors that fall from the sky. The rocks crash into the ocean and on the land causing great tsunamis and earthquakes, but still we survive by any means necessary. With the last major meteors, crystalline masses, God has given us the power to protect ourselves. Magic. The fallen crystals emit a great energy that has become one with the people who live in this land. With words, songs, and other vocalizations, we were able to channel this energy, bending it to our will. Some people are better at using it than others, but through years and years of practice, my people have developed great magics. With this new power, we created a great barrier above our atmosphere that will prevent anything else from falling through the sky to crush us. We are protected now. And the priests who preside on the islands along the edge of our world keep the barrier strong year after year. Day and night, they sing the barrier to life, only stopping to change places with another who can continue the job of the day. We know our world is flat and there is nothing on the other side, because if we barely survived here, how could anything survive the disasters on the other side? But yet, I have a feeling that some great disaster is coming, and this time it will not be from the sky. That is from Charlotte, the Red Shaman, 300 years before the breach. So, quick recap. The other side of the planet is much like the first, a giant landmass in the center, but many other landmasses in the ocean due to all the meteors hitting the planet. This has created some islands and other areas. So this side took the full force of the space debris and had to continually rebuild. The other side, on the other hand, was far more advanced by the time the debris came, so they were able to simply shoot it out of the sky. But finally, for the magic side of this world, the last of the space debris that fell came the form of large crystals that stuck in the ground and produced a great energy. We will get to it later, but to use the magic of this world, you need some sort of vocalization. So some magic is created from words or chants, while other magic can be created through singing or humming. Whatever that vocalization may be, that is how the magic on this world works. So that is my geography and a little bit of society since it's so long. Your turn. You know, you just have to show me up. I times, don't go you? over detailed in the ones I'm passionate about. If you haven't noticed. I can see that. All right. Well, all right. You got this, dude. Mansers are cowards. They enslave all that is wonderful in nature and turn it to their vile will. Barbarians free those souls with swords. Account from Norgoth, the first king of the barbarians. Okay, so plant life and animals in this world have almost universally been tainted by various types of mansers. Um, so... <laughs> So mainly there's five types of mancers. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit in this section just to kind of talk about what they did. So necromancers are obviously your like bring things back from the undead. So the areas affected by necromancers are generally very dark and gloomy all the time. There's a lot of mist. Most of the plant life is dead. But um, traversing the area is dangerous because um, the dead plants will sometimes come to life and attack. Okay. Um People that live near necromancers, too, tend to become like ghouls and zombies, they, or they're just raised from the dead, but more often they're just corrupted by the land itself. Um, the effects that necromancers, well, I should say the effects in general that mancers have on an area are not super specific. So it's not like a mancer comes down and is like, zap, now you have like, you know, now you're undead. It's more that just their presence in an area and whatever thing they do in an area will slowly kind of turn it okay. to some kind of corruption. Um, and then there's technomancers, 
these are not necessarily magical people. They're just people that use a lot of technology. Um, their areas are generally very polluted. So a lot of times in these places, they're just straight deserts. And it's very difficult to get to the towers of Technomancers just because the land around it is completely dead. Okay. So, you know, there'd be just be miles and miles and miles of wasteland because the Technomancers have extracted all of what was good from the land to turn into their uh, evil creations. So that would be like uh, mechanized towers and structures and also like, you know, robotic constructs that are there to defend them and also just to be tinkered on. And then there's pyromancers. These people generally turn areas into like lava flows and basically the world that you came up with last week. Yep. Um, Glaxorb! So sorry. Say it Some loud, part of say my it proud. Glaxorb. Oh, hell yeah, Glaxorb! Yeah, so these, these people turn things into Glaxorb. Um, <laughs> pyromancers, yeah. They, they have power over fire, so everything's usually burnt and scorched. Um, and the, Oh, but then they can also create like constructs of fire, so... There might not be a lot of natural life left, but much like the Technomancer, you might run into, like, fiery ghosts. Um, and then there's Triomancers. Triomancers they do everything um, are in probably the most... Hol- no, no, they're not Triomancers. They're Triomancers. Um, and they can affect nature and kind of bend it to their will. So, much like with necromancers, you have to worry about, like, dead plants suddenly coming to life. Triomancers, just living trees, will try to kill you <laughs> and have, like, malicious will. So, it's like superhero um, superhero world all over again. Yeah, except they're not screaming. Oh, okay. they're, they're just trying to murder you. I didn't say they could talk. <laughs> so they're like the trees And finally, there's souls. Aquamancer. <laughs> hey, all right, I like my Triomancers. Hey, you did this also to me last week. I'm doing it just, to you, buddy. <laughs> I just like saying Triomancer. Goes around, I can't comes help around, it. My friend. Um... And the final main type of Mancer is an Aquamancer. And an Aquamancer has control over water. So um, their areas are generally very rainy um, or very cold because they'll freeze all the water and do, you know, like their magics and experiments with water. Um, But really what kind of unites all of these things, like I said, it's just their presence and their practice of magic that ends up kind of corrupting the land around them. So their goal is generally something like hyper-focused and indifferent to the humanity around them. So Mansers are not necessarily evil people. They're not trying to corrupt the world around them. But whatever magic they're doing is not helpful to humanity and they don't generally care. So the like devastation of the area around a Mancer's tower is always a byproduct of what they're trying to do, not really the goal of what they're trying to do. Okay. I get that. This is So anyways, that's the plant v- life very and the, the animals. Avatar the last airbender slash very your first magic world. Shut up, Jordan. Okay, I'm so, I'm Shut up. I'll stop beep beep Shut Jordan. Up, Jordan. Beep beep Jordan. Beep beep Jordan. Yeah. Alright, my next section's the one that I nailed. All right. Okay. Just, just, this, just strap in for my next section. I'm always bad with flora and fauna, so like I can never judge you because I have all like my flora and fauna. Because I you don't. Know, when I create these worlds, I don't give a crap about the plants in it. No one cares. It's almost like when I came up with the notion of this podcast, I haphazardly wrote <laughs> down a list of topics that I thought we would need to discuss to create a world, and one of those was flora and fauna. Well, I mean, probably, honestly. I think I was playing, um, what's it called at the time? No Man's Sky. Oh and, God. like, a lot of No Man's Sky <laughs> is fighting flora and fauna. Well, the thing is, I think it I is... I think that's where that came from. I think from. it's necessary for some worlds. But I base a lot of my worlds off of Earth. So, therefore, it's like, I come in with the assumed that it's Earth animals. And so, when it comes to flora and fauna, it's like, what do I do? I don't know. I'm not good at creating animals. I'm good at creating weird societies that don't make sense yeah it's just like you might as well just go earth standard dunzo well that's what i did in superhero world where like this is earth light so i'm going to talk about something else for flora and fauna that's exactly what i've done before so anyways flora and fauna this time i tried it's not great but this time i tried so this comes from carl keats a biologist the plants and animals on otrell have always been seen the same way they are necessary means to survive it is true that we keep pets and potted plants, but mainly we use them to further our own society. In the olden days, the animals were used as food, transport, and to help with manual labor. But now we study them for medical advancements, research, or to create products. 
Animal testing is widely used and accepted amongst our people. Some object, but we all know it is necessary. To study the animals is to find out more about ourselves. Most of the natural world has been processed in the past for energy or advancements, but now we use light and energy from within the planet to power our machines in our cities. The plants in natural world are mainly used for medical and physical advancements as well as nourishment, otherwise they are just left alone. We have some forested areas amongst the land of Otrell, but mainly our world exists as the industrial capital. So, side note, think of this as being a supremely futuristic New York, kind of like a cyberpunk. Um, I would say Ghost in the Shell is a very good example of this. Not the Ghost in the Shell movie. Standalone. Oh, I'm thinking of the movie. <laughs> okay, so just another really quick recap, and then I'll go to what it's like on the other side. The animals that exist on this side of the planet are your standard animals. Through years and years of research, they have found animals that are very similar to humankind and have researched and studied them to advance mankind. This is a very scientific society, so they are fine with experimenting and testing animals as long as there is some kind of benefit for that work. Um, I don't think I put a voice to the other side of Ericana, so there. So here's how things are on Ericana. After the crystals fell, they not only affected the people of Ericana and their speech, but they also affected the animals. Some of the animals gained the same magical power that the humans use. You would say that some of the animals are mutated, creating animals that resemble the mythical beast. There are dragons and great beasts such as the phoenix exist, but they coexist with the humans. These great beasts are revered by the humans and treated as ambassadors of God. Because of their religious history, the humans were given do domain over the animals that are not seen as holy. The humans hunt these animals as food, use them as transport, and also for manual labor. They revere these animals as being close to equals of them, but the humans do take their place at the top of the food chain. The plants have also gained this magical ability. The humans of this land process them to create potions. The potions can be anything from healing potions, poisons, and all the way to potions of fire breathing and potions of invisibility. The humans in Ericana may not be technologically advanced, but they are advanced in their ways of magic and creating magic. The animals and even plants are sometimes hostile to humans, and this is due to the nature of the plants. Sometimes the animals get corrupted and become rabid, so it's like they get poisoned, they go a little crazy if they eat the wrong plant. Due to this, the humans have to use their magic to keep these animals, to put these animals down and burn the corrupted plants. It happens sometimes. This type of strife is something that the other side never has to deal with. And that is my flora and fauna. Yeah, your flora and fauna was short, but I understand. I, I can't tell if that's sarcasm or being serious with me. No, I mean, I'm being serious because, like, legitimately, I think maybe we should reformat the topics for our world. I think I think it will have <laughs> to go... Flora and fauna is always just dumping ground of whatever. I honestly think it will have to go world for world. Some worlds will need, like, specifically a flora and fauna. Other worlds will not. Yeah. So All right. <clears throat> All right, so you're ready for my society history. I'm also going to say this is my this is my story as well, okay, but you'll you'll mine see. is also my story. <laughs> All right, the story of Norgoth the first barbarian. Norgoth was a simple farmer living off the land. Uh, excuse me, um He had a wife. Excuse me, simple storyteller, sir. Um excuse me really quick. Can you talk what? any slower? Like can we get this Norgoth thing on the road, or are we gonna Norgoth? Like this Jordan, just a little bit quicker. A key to vocal performance is slowing yeah. down. Right? <laughs> Trust People me, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Anyways, he had a wife and a rabble of children that brought his life much joy and fulfillment. One day. As he surveyed his field, the earth shook and rumbled. A storm poured into the fat, the valley and blocked out the sun. A jagged tower rose from the ground, shrouded by forking lightning. Norgoth looked down. All the farmers in his valley had heard rumors of mansers. Mansers are dangerous, fickle, wily, and vile best left alone. Soon after the tower rose, 
The okay, what I wrote was the crow turned to rot and smut. It's supposed to be the crop. <laughs> the crop turned to rot and smut. Norgoth looked down. The livestock twisted and distended. Their blood became vile. Their temperament violent. Norgoth looked down. Soon his wife was starving and his children were walking race with hollowed eyes. Norgoth looked down. He toiled and worked the earth with axe and hoe and pick. Are you talking about but the history or are you talking about his wife? Nor- <laughs> <laughs> Continue. I, you know, I typed the word hoe and I was like, Jordan's not going to be able to handle it. He's not. <laughs> Anyways... Jordan, your mom listens to this podcast. She's going to be ashamed of you. Anyways, but soon, despite Norgoth's work, his wife and children succumbed to the curse of the Bloodmancer. They did not die. No, they lived. As ghouls. Haunted creatures stripped of their humanity left to wander mindless and rabid. Norgoth slumped. He left his tools in the field and fell to the ground. His rage burned. He shed no tears and made no sounds of mourning. He did the only thing he could do to spite the mancer. He lived. He lived on killing the vile livestock and eating their rotten flesh. But it was his hate that sustained him. He grew hard, grim, and merciless. His only company was the ghoulish remains of his family. Jeez. Sorry, I have to scroll down. Oh, I thought I you scroll were down. done. Hang it's on. like, well, that's an awful place to leave it on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not done yet. One day, Norgoth was in his field digging for roots that might sustain him a moment longer. His clothes had worn to rags. He wore scarcely more than boots and a loincloth. The mancer strode across Norgoth's field. The mancer was a horrid creature, pallid and dripping dark red fluid, clad in torn robes. He descended to mock Norgoth. How is your crop this year, farmer? Norgoth looked down. Where is your family, farmer? Norgoth looked down. Can you spare some bread for a poor mancer, Norgoth? Norgoth looked down digging his hands deep in the soil. Has my miasma of blessing improved your life? Norgoth looked up, his eyes on fire, hate burning from him. His, the passionate rage in Norgoth's eyes silenced the monster. With a guttural shout, he, loud enough to split a mountain, Norgoth leapt. He swung his axe and pick that he had left in the ground. Years of minerals had infused the iron blade, turning it as hard as Norgoth. Norgoth's swing was true, and he cleaved the mancer in Jeez. two. All right. So, so that's the story of Norgoth, the first barbarian. you say he gave out barbarian. a rebel yell and cried, more, more, more? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> With the rebel yell. <laughs> so basically, Norgoth is the first barbarian and also the first person to discover steel. Oh, oh okay. Um... Which, um, if you know anything about the most famous barbarian, that's that's just straight up aping off of Conan the Barbarian, but also is historically accurate. So in Conan the Barbarian, which this is kind of loosely aping off of a little bit, um, <clears throat> he discovers the secret of steel, and that's like where he gets his magic sword, is that he, it's made out of steel, it's whatever. But like way back when, the way people used to make steel was they would take an iron tool and stick it in the ground. And it would absorb minerals and become an alloy, like a really crappy um, form of steel. But it was like the first steel that existed was by literally sticking something in the ground, leaving it there for 10 years, and then coming back, pulling it out of the ground, and knocking off all the rust and what would be left underneath is steel. Um, So anyways, that's kind of how Norgoth discovers um, steel. So way back when... um, Before the Earth was completely destroyed by Mansers, when they first started to spread... Um, society was fairly agrarian and fairly peaceful. There were villages and uh, places where it was easy to sustain life. Um, but slowly, um, rumor of the Mansers began to spread, right? So as they started taking over more and more and more of the planet, um, 
people would tell stories about them and villages would hear about them. So this is kind of a case study in what would happen to a village when a manser would show up. You know, like all of a sudden a tower would sprout from the ground and then over the course of a few years, the the ability to survive there would just fall apart. Like in this case, you know, it was his family was cursed. He couldn't grow crops anymore. All of the animals turned evil. Um, and then this was just kind of the first story of someone that fought back okay. against the Mansers, who was Norgoth. So excuse me for being this guy yet again on another world, but what is the science part of this? Um, okay, so not all Mansers do magic. Some of them are Technomancers. You know when I said at the yeah, beginning of this, my world's a little bit of a yellow card? That's red, dude. That's actually a <laughs> lot that I would say that's like a deep orange. That's like a... Uh, you know what? I'm going to level with you. It's fair. It's fair that you say that. Because the problem was when I started writing this world, I was going to have it be like a civil war between mancers. Like there was going to be technomancers and magic mancers and they were going to fight each other. But I'm like, eh, yeah, that's kind of yeah. lame. It, it's so, fine, but that is a very, like, kinda like very the idea. dark colored yellow. Like go into orange, go into red. Yeah. I don't think it's quite in the spirit of it. It's just when I started writing it, what I ended up writing was a story about barbarians fighting against wizards. Um, and then I just went, well, some of the wizards do well, technology. You told me that, to, you told me that to, since I rolled a critical fail, I have to do two worlds. I basically did two worlds. So, And I yeah, do have I guess magic and science, the and they do to net. So we're going to get to my society history. And we're starting from year one. So um, this comes from George Banks, engineering manager. The elevator took a long time to complete, but we were finally ready to make our breach. We drilled through and created the elevator at the same time so it would be easier to bring materials back up and down. And, you know, if the other side was uninhabitable, we could just seal off the breach and take the elevator back up to our surface. Sadly, I won't be on the team to breach the surface. My job was building an elevator, not utilizing it. I can speak very well with my mouth closed, by the way. <laughs> the team, <laughs> the teams they are sending seem to be overprepared. They are taking attack drones and are decked to the nines in suits that can handle hazardous environments. I don't know what they expect to find down there, but they're ready either way. Next part comes from Yannicka, the Red Sage. We heard them coming for years. They didn't hide their presence. Our magic was able to detect them, but not enough to stop them. Some of our people predicted that the demons from the netherworld were coming up to destroy us. I didn't know what to think, so we are pre prepared for the worst. This next part comes from Holding Yurik, exploration team. They heard us coming. Of course they did. There was no way in hell they wouldn't have. We breached the ground and finally made it up to the surface of the other side. They were waiting for us there. I told my men to stand down. We didn't know what they were capable of, even though they didn't look like much. They spoke to us in our language, demanding to know who we were and what we were doing. I told them we were ambassadors from another land, but of course they didn't believe that. They spoke a language I had never heard before, and suddenly roots from the ground came to life and created a birdcage-like structure around our platform. I didn't, I don't know how they created these structures, what kind of technology they have, but for now, it seems way more advanced than ours. We could, <clears throat> we could not further progress into their land, but we could go back down. After they talked amongst themselves for days, they finally asked, us, asked to speak to our leaders, or we would be locked out forever. So now we return with nothing, but we must somehow convince the council to come back with us. This next part is Shanine. Eric Hahn and Civilian. The reaction to the invaders coming from the ground was excitement, of course. The old religion took a hit. The other side was supposed to be from the netherworld. From whispers, some say they, it might be a paradise. The invaders came up in a device made from technology that we had never seen before. They seemed far more advanced and talked down, but they talked down to us as if we were a less developed society. We did not have their technology or their advanced knowledge, but we did have something they did not. Magic. According to those who were inside the meetings with the Elder Sages and the Australian Council, the invaders didn't believe us about the magic. They thought we were talking about myths and fairy tales. You know, that is until finally our elders showed them our true power. This next part comes from Eric Bolster, 
I told you, this is my longest section, by the way. Eric Bolster, Australian biologist. After a full year of negotiations, our leaders finally reached an agreement. The elevator will be for both sides to use. Otrell was allowed into Ericana and vice versa. We would combine societies, but the laws in Ericana must be followed in Ericana and again, vice versa. Our people were allowed to come live in Ericana and study the life around them. They call it magic, but there must be some scientific explanation to why they can do what they can do. Of course I am going. I want to study their animals to see why they are so different than ours. That beast, the dragon, in our world is an impossibility, but to them it is, a com it is common and sacred. Their world holds much mystery, but I am sure that ours holds the same mystery for them. They send their people to learn about technology and gain true knowledge from us. This relationship shall be a mutualistic one. We learn from them and them from us. This is five years after the breach from Shanala, an Arakanan healer. These people are heathens. They come from below and they think they can tell us how our world works? They reject our powers of magic, saying that it is science that we don't understand. We have been studying this magic for hundreds of years before they came. Our magic works through our voices. We speak a word, and the energy forms and flows as we need it to. Some magicians sing their magic to life, others use potions to do magical deeds. But it is all magic and not this science they speak of. They reject our god and our religions, saying it is a fairy tale. A fairy tale. If there was a god, wouldn't he exist in their world too? They desecrate our land, taking our trees for their samples and our animals for testing. We always hear them say, hmm, interesting, or excellent, when they are out in our forest. They believe our plants and animals as are the key to some great technology. But we have already shown them the key. It's magic. They want to test our crystals, but those who follow closely to our religions will not let them anywhere near them. Some want these heathens out of our land, and I am this close to joining those rebels. But this is what the elders wanted. God put the elders in charge, so to go against them would be to go against God. Okay, um, this comes from Darren Baker, director of quantum physics. There is no higher power. There never was. Those from Arakana who willingly volunteer have helped us prove that. Their magic? It is simply energy that is stimulated by vibrations caused by the vocal box. Because of the radiation from their crystals, the Arakanan are filled with this energy. It is simple as that. No, God did not give them the crystals. And no, they are not chosen. Simple radiation. I want to get a hold of a crystal and run further tests. Maybe we can find out where it came from. Hell, maybe we can get one of our own. You look bored out of your mind. Oh, I'm not. I'm sorry. No, I'm listening. I'm sorry. I was just space. I was just like looking off in the distance. I wasn't ignoring you. <laughs> yeah. You're good. This comes from Theron, an Arakanian theorist. They say that science disproves magic, but I and many more believe that magic and science are one and the same. This belief has spread out to both Arakana and Otrell. We just want to live as one society, one where both magic and science can coexist. But there are those in the great city of Otrell that want to dissect us, and those in the villages of Arakana who want to force the Otrellians out. Those Arakanans who follow the old religion to every letter have been deemed occultists by the Otrellians. Maybe we dream too big, and a mutual understanding will never be reached between our people. Year 7. This comes from Michael Bates, a survivor of Team 6. Oh god, they killed them! They killed everyone but me! All Darren and I were trying to do was take a sample of one of their crystals. The occultists came quick, spoke their devil's tongue, and Darren and the rest of the team of men fell dead. These people are dangerous. We can't have them in our land of Otrell. They could destroy us in the blink of an eye. This comes from Alexei, an occult leader. <laughs> you arrest me and plan to send me Otrell to be tried? <laughs> uh, there is no point. More rise to protect the land while you can't. We can't have these people desecrate our land and our religion. You may have accepted their science, but the occult cannot, will not bow to them. That is my society history. 
in society current, we will get to a recap and then I'll do the whole current part. So what do you got? I, I, I like your, I like your society past. Funny. It's funny. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's miserable, but it's funny to kind of hear yes. both sides going back and forth and just being like, well, that's They're like both garbage. something that you get with history. It's like we always hear, you know, history from the victors. But it's like if we actually truly went back and listened to both sides, you get that complete divide. And that's what I wanted to do with my yeah, society. Right. We get, just like I wanted side to kind of do to like, you know, the coming to America type thing, but only not as harsh as I did it with my hundred years after a spaceship landed world. But both both sides yeah. have their things. You know, social commentary is hard to do not subtly. It, and, but I'll get to that society history. I just wanted to leave it at the beginning. So, your turn. All right. Um. So society present. Um. I kind of already talked about Mansers earlier, so I'll, I'll just briefly touch on that again, just just so you understand. So man dancers. Um, they mans. Yeah, they're man dancers. I mean, some of them might be dancing dancing wizards. So, mancers are like lonely and secluded kind of mad scientists and mad sorcerers that um harm the area around them with their experiments. They all have like a domain, but they're very diverse. So, one mancer is not like another. Um what they study and what they do with their magic is as diverse as the people that they are. Um However, now society current is there are pockets of humanity left that are trying to just survive, even given the presence of mancers. And the people that go out and try to fight mancers are the barbarians. So barbarians have become kind of like these lone, roving, grim folk heroes that try to, like, climb (laughs) towers and fight mancers. Um. So generally, they have sad backstories, much much like, uh, gosh, I already forgot the name of my own guy Norgoth. that I made, Norgoth. You know, that that's not uncommon for a barbarian, and really, all a barbarian is is someone that treks through the wild and hunts and hunts mancers. So they're not just like the I'm screaming and have a big sword oh. and no armor. Like that's not the only type of barbarian. In this world, so it's not D and D barbarian. Um, it is that they're generally fueled by rage and revenge, but they're not just okay. they they're not just all the, they don't lo- all look the same. You know what I mean? Like they all hunt they're mancers. Not all loincloth with an axe. Yeah, it's just that was the first one, so that's where the picture came from. Um, but all a barbarian is now is someone that formally hunts mancers. Um, sometimes they'll do it for money. Other times it's just because they're driven by anger and like have to stop people. But if a barbarian comes to a village, they're usually very well received. So barbarians do not like formally get paid, but usually people will take care of them because they're the people that like Mm -hmm. go off and try to fight these like horrible monsters that live up in the woods. Um, Okay. All barbarians though, aren't like a fixed military unit, but they do have a king. So, Norgoth is the king of the barbarians, but that's a very loose title. So if Norgoth calls for barbarians to like gather and assault like a particularly powerful mancer, they will. But other than that, they're very autonomous. If they choose to work together, that's their own choice and they can, but they don't necessarily have to. It's just kind of if they choose to, they can. Um, they recruit, but it's very like person to person. So it's very common that a barbarian will have an apprentice. That's like, they wander into a village. The one guy that survived the attack of the mancer, that's the new barbarian apprentice. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, so barbarians often do kind of like gain an entourage of people that they are training to then themselves become barbarians. Um, Given that the landscape that barbarians explore is horrible and dangerous, they're usually very, like, tough people that have to be able to survive in any kind of condition. So they're very, like, adept at survival and even sometimes stealth. Um, But again, like, the approach is as varied as the people. So some of them are, like, giant, crazy sword-swinging nutcases, but some of them aren't. One thing, though, that all barbarians have in common is a disregard for um, science and magic. So barbarians will use, like, tools. I feel like you had to say that to make this a science and magic. Shut up, Jordan. You had to say the words science and magic in the same sentence. I 
acknowledge that my world is a little bit of a yellow card. <laughs> um, orange. We're going to say orange. All right. That's fair. I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> so, yeah, the one thing that um, unites all barbarians is generally they will not use anything magical or anything overly scientific. So they won't, like, mix okay. chemicals. They won't, like, make bombs. They won't use spells, even if it's, like, something that would be beneficial to them. Because all of those things in this world come at a cost and spread like corruption. Um, currently, the barbarians are starting to gain ground and like kind of uncorrupt land. So society right now, there are now areas of the world that are returning to normal. It's the areas where the most mancers have been killed and where like the world has kind of slowly been able to heal itself and like plant life and animals are returning to normal people are able to live there but those areas are also very common for towers to spring up and then barbarians have to be like called for and sent to fight those towers so right now it's kind of like a slowing push back and forth against barbarians and mansers who are trying to take kind of like either reclaim the world so people can live there or who still are just kind of like vainly um, trying to just achieve greatness in their own field of discipline, which is what the Mansers are doing. So that's kind of okay. society current. This is very much okay. like a setting that I kind of want to use for like D and D. Yeah, everybody's barbarians versus every or versus wizards. Well, and it's like you don't even necessarily have to be class wise a barbarian. You just can't be a magic user. But what you, what every game would be is like going and fighting a new fun kind of Manser. Well, I just think that would be fun. It's very dungeon. So basically, you get barbarians fighters. And that's about all. Rangers. <laughs> Rangers are fine. Rangers use magic. Yeah, but not really, though. Especially Fithid. It's Talk c- to animals. Huh? Yeah, they, they can... Whatever. We're not going to argue. Spells, you know more about they, D&D than I do, so why am I ar- arguing? I, I don't know. Rangers are on the fence. You know, like, maybe they're okay, but they might be looked down on a little bit. But it's pretty much barbarians and fighters. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the two best classes that they're And are. ranger, you, you can just take the magic away from the ranger, but you could never take the ranger, uh, I'm not doing the joke. I'm, <laughs> I thought it was funny in my, it's a beep beep Jordan moment where I thought it was funny in my head, but as I'm saying it, it's just like, it's not funny. I'm calling an audible <laughs> on doing this joke, it was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like halfway there, it's like, never mind. <laughs> okay, so... So, so I'm going to do Society Current, and I'm going to do a quick recap of history since my history was my story. Yeah. Um, so, Otrell is powered by science. They have discovered electricity and nuclear energy. They have used their knowledge of their world to use their, their resources wisely, mining and processing the materials on this land for hundreds of years. Due to this, they have created the landscape as seen today. They are a people who promote knowledge and using whatever means necessary to further their advancements. In the center of the land is the site where the Great Elevator was created. There is a council with members from each sect of scientific of the scientific world that oversee these advancements. Imagine their side as being very cyberpunk once again. Ericana, on the other hand, is powered by four great crystals that fell from the heavens. These crystals have granted the people magic, magical Jordan. abilities. What's up? I'm sorry, I got to interrupt you for two seconds. This has been bothering me the what whole time. So there what is a breed that? of chicken called Aracana, and I just keep thinking of them as chicken people. <laughs> Aracana, but yeah, sure, Aracana. Do they lay blue eggs? People. Shut up. Anyways, they are deeply religious, believing that magic was given to them by a god. The elders are chosen are the chosen ones who can perform specific magic. They lead and guide their people. There are many types of magic, ranging from healing magic to battle magic. Imagine this site as being closer to a 1700s Japan, almost or basically the landscapes that you get in Princess Mononoke. Open fields, small villages with thick forests, and magical creatures in thick forests. And also, I realize that pretty much every time that I don't have a government, it's run by elders. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my go-to. It's just like, how about your old people run things? <laughs> I mean, I feel Once like Elder is just a really good way to be like, don't worry about it. They got there somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's like they got, they're the ones who rose up. They use the specific magic. They got this, right? They got this. So once the Australian elevator was completed, both sides were physically connected. It took a while, but negotiations, negotiations were made for both sides to connect politically and socially. 
The Eric Hanans were allowed to live in the great cyberpunk city of Otrell in order to study and learn from the other culture, and the Otrellians were allowed to come over to the quiet villages of Ericana in order to study the plants, animals, and most importantly, the magic. At this point, the city of Otrell is very mixed, while pretty much only those with agendas of visit Ericana. On Ericana, they try to teach the Otrellians about magic, but magic does not flow through the Otrellians the same way. They can use potions that are pre-made, but they cannot speak magic words. So instead, they have begun showing those on Ericana science and technology, building up the villages to be more like suburban cities on Earth. Of course, this has begun to see some backlash. The Otrellians are basically atheists and reject the ideas of magic, saying that it can all be explained by science. This gave birth to the occult, the deeply religious Arakanans who believe that the Atrellians are heathens and sinners sent to corrupt their people. They protect their magic and their land at all costs, even if it means killing a few people. The occult aren't the only bad guys, though. There are those of Atrell who believe that experimenting on and dissecting the Arakanans is the only way to truly discover the secrets of magic. Despite this, there are those on both sides who just want to coexist and believe that magic and science are one of the same. So, now bringing us to today, 20 years after the initial breach. Because of the occultist murder of Darren and his team of physicists, things have devolved. The leaders of Atrell believe that the Arakanans are dangerous and have reacted as such. Now, if an Arakanan wants to visit or live in Otrell, they must wear a special collar. These collars scramble the vocal cords of the Arakanans so they can still talk, but they cannot perform magic. It would basically be like always talking in like a weird like scrambled Darth Vader voice. <laughs> like, like, it's like constant, it's constantly robot voice. You um, have to so, do the Darth Vader voice, Jordan. No, I, I, I can't. It's basically constantly robot voice. Robot I love voice. it. That, so only those horrible. with a special permit are allowed to be in Otrell without a collar. Some wear these collars willingly, while others fight for the right to be free of the collars. There are groups of Otrellians and Arakanans who believe in the same rights for all. They believe that magic and science must be one. If they are against each other, that is just a war waiting to break out. Overall, in Arakana, because of the violence and radicalism of the occult, the occult has been disbanded and forced underground. The elders in charge still believe in the old religion and the ways of magic, but have accepted the change that the Otrellians bring forth. Since then, cities have been built using a combined force of magic and science. Despite some unity, the sides clash every now and then, and there are some segregated areas. Think of casual racism. Anyway. <laughs> Wait, is that what you're talking about in this world, Jordan? I couldn't tell. It went <laughs> I... over my head. <laughs> oh, shut up. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I'm going to hey, be Jordan. using that now, by the way. Because, because no, of Jordan, it, I'm going to be on. using beep, beep. What's up? Hang on. Jordan, you remember that time that you accused me of making slave robots? And then you actually made slave robots. Do you remember? Do you beep remember beep that Cody. time? Beep I'm just beep. asking. I'm just. I'm just asking if you remember. I don't remember. That. The collaboration on Ericana <laughs> has caused more and more of both sides to come back to Ericana due to the nature of things on Otrell. There is more equality on Ericana than there is on Otrell. The Great Elevator runs each day, and you need to have papers to exit on either side. Of course, now there are those who forge those papers. But you know, let's not forget about the occult. They still exist, hidden from society, plotting a return to the old religion. They Hang hate on. what Arakana has become. What's up? I have a question. Are they a cult called the occult, or are they just an occult group of people? It's an occult group of people that is referred to as the occult. I kind of like the idea of a cult called the occult, just because that's wonderful. So you interrupted me. Um, so, oh yeah. They hate what Arakana has become. So they must destroy the rule of the new world and bring the people's minds back to that of a world where magic is the only power. They believe that the other side, Otrell, is the netherworld, and it is only there to tempt, uh, sorry, to tempt the Arakanans into sin. Some have begun working on a project to summon God himself to show the people their mistakes. Only time will tell what will happen. <laughs> what? I just love that. We're trying to summon God. Right yeah, now. <laughs> so that's my world. The cult called the occult. Cults of that the cult. Might actually it. be the episode title. 
what call to cult <laughs> the, the cult called the occult anyways wait I no, really no 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 this. this is something that i started from the very beginning of the show and i'm glad jordan. to finally have been able to do it what's up jordan the name of the episode should be the cult formerly known as a cult yes i'm writing that down see i, <laughs> I have all the jokes well, Jordan, screw you in making a world that's better than mine and overachieving. So. That's what you did to me last week. I really did. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna level with you. I did nail it last week, and this you, week was an did. orange card on a weak world to begin with. So you know, you win yeah. this time. All right, Dude, you win. I had a green card on a great world, and you need green cards to travel in between each world. So it makes sense. Oh, I see what you Ooh, did there. Ooh, double entendre. I, <laughs> that's not a double entendre. That's not a sex joke, Jordan. Ah, uh, it's a double entendre. Jordan, <laughs> I don't think you know. Hang on a second. <laughs> I don't think entendre. I know what that means. Entendre. Yeah, yeah, one of them, it has to be r- risque or indecent. So, oh, what uh, has to be indecent? I thought it just has to be a double meaning. Whatever. No. Okay. No, so anyways, it, it, Im- it implies your, that you, one of them is a dick joke. You lost the world. But you won the ability to roll for the next world, so... Oh, shoot, well, I did. Hang on. Hang yeah, because I rolled Let a crit me... fail, dude. Oh, yeah. I feel like that means I should just get to pick a world, you know? Like, no, that means you get to roll a world and shut up. Oh, wait, if you crit fail, can the other person curse you with a world? Like, make you have to do a terrible world? No. Oh, we'll man, get into so that later. Not job. this week, because I crit fail. We'll get into that later. Oh, but Jordan, I want to so bad. I think no. that's a great idea. No, yeah, we're going to say rolling. no for this week, but that will be the rule going on. What world would you have cursed me with, though? Well, I crit failed. Uh, the world life cycle create a world from beginning to end. That that sucks. So, <laughs> yeah. I that's mean, why it's the crit fail world. I guess that's you. why it's the crit failed world. Though, why do you I was always roll like a you, 1 or a 20? You like always do up. the opposite sides of the spectrum. You suck, and I hate you. I would probably make you do a world based on a song of your choice. Oh, dude. Oh, dude, yes. Although, if I ever had to do that, I would do the Goat Riders Horde. Because, Jordan, I am eternal. I walk the night. I am the Reaper of Souls. <laughs> I am the Reaper of Souls. Anyways, I gotta go. So, it's been a fun. You can Wait. check Cody out on the Wandering Gamer Network that needs to screen their own friends. And you can check okay. me out on something, I guess, where everybody is welcome. We'll talk to y'all Wait, later. Wait, so can, can I just str- can I just stream under your uh, your name on Twitch? No. Anyways, we'll talk to y'all later. Bye.